Amen. All right, 945. Y'all look good this morning. Good morning. And good morning to those of you watching online or to our youth uh, in the 11 service. Um, we love being here at worship. So it's great to worship with you. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. How many of you are still eating leftovers? True confession now. How many of you ate leftovers this morning? Just me? Come on. Okay. I like pie for breakfast. I don't know who doesn't. Uh, a while back, my nephew, or no, my brother sent me a video of his family of five driving in the car. And he has three boys, Cooper, Jack, and Harvey, and they're little. So you can imagine how energetic driving in the car can be as a family of five. And Harvey, who was about one years old at the time, he was in his car seat just jabbering nonsense. Beep, bop, bop, woo, bop, bop, beep, bop, beep, bop, bop, doobie, doobie, doo, bop, bop, like over and over again. It was really cute. I don't know, maybe if you were in the car ride for a long time, it's not so cute. But in the video, you hear his mom saying to Harvey, Harvey, what are you saying? Because he's jabbering nonsense, right? Well, Jack, who is five years old at the time, he interprets what his brother is saying. And he says loudly, Mommy, Harvey is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Whoa. I know. Jack is like, I call him the little preacher. He's gunning for my job someday. Like, he is adorable. He loves memorizing scripture. He loves, like, proclaiming scripture. It's awesome. It's just awesome to see. And I love how in the midst of his younger brother's jabbering, he heard, the Lord is my shepherd. And I think in the middle of whatever we have going on, in the jabbering nonsense of our lives, that's what we should be hearing too. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23 are six verses that have brought comfort and rest to so many throughout the ages. In the midst of hardship, as well as in the midst of just whatever life throws at you, right? We are in the middle of a series going through Psalm 23, and we are in week two. Last week, Scott Dudley got us through verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, and that is enough. That is enough. And it's from that foundation that God is our shepherd, and he's a good shepherd at that, one that we can trust and follow and obey. It's from that foundation that we're going to look at these next two verses. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Okay, so where, where is the first place that the shepherd takes us? The shepherd takes us to a place where we get to lie down. We get to take a break. We get to grab a cup of water. We get to get the GPS coordinates for the next path to take. Following a good shepherd means that the good shepherd is going to take us to a place where we get to rest. And that is good news. Now, if you're like me, when you picture these verses in your mind, you might picture something that looks like this. Beautiful creation. Luscious, green, full of life. Because if we're following a good shepherd, that's where he's going to take us, right? But does this picture capture what following God looks like for you in your life? If you follow me, does God say, if you follow me, I'm going to bring you there where you're never going to need to leave. You're never going to need anything else the rest of your life. Does that describe what following God looks like for you? 
It's a pretty picture, but come on, no. I've never even been there. That's just a Google picture, right? When David wrote the psalm, that wasn't what he pictured. That's a picture of Kauai. David had never been to Kauai, okay? The green pastures and quiet waters he had in mind were right outside his window, and they looked something like this. Rolling hills of rock and dirt. These are the green pastures that David wrote about. This is where the shepherds would take their sheep. This is where they would pasture and find food and lay down and find nourishment and then have to find quiet waters. And the, the tufts of grass that are there in the, in the, in the dirt, that looks something like this. And you're going to need a shepherd to find those. The shepherd is the one that's pointing out to his sheep, here, here, eat this. And here, here's some more. Eat this over here. That's the kind of life that needs a shepherd. And if you're like me, that's the kind of life that we live, right? Where God provides for us just a little bit. Just a little bit here, just a little bit there. Sometimes in abundance, but more often than not, it's faithfully trusting in God every step of the way. That's more like the lives that we live. And it's from this place, from this kind of picture, life in the desert, life from weary, bleak, and tired, that we must hear this psalm. Because I think that's why it provides so much comfort and rest for us. Because this isn't a psalm of abundance, but it's a psalm of hope. Hope knowing that the shepherd is going to guide us to where we need to be. So these two verses, they are about rest. When we follow God as our shepherd, and that's enough, we learn that God calls us to rest. And that's just not, it's not like resting, like I'm going to go take a day trip to the spa, or it's not like I'm going to go to this little island getaway called Kauai. That's not what rest is. I mean, those are nice every now and then, and they can be restful, but the kind of rest that God's inviting us into is rest in our everyday lives. To rest is to trust, to trust in the shepherd in three main ways. And the first is this, to rest is to trust the shepherd with our time. Ooh, how many of you take time to rest? Ooh, over there they had like nervous laughter. <laughs> Don't talk to me about this, pastor. Uh, okay, next question then. These are a little bit easier to answer. How many of you have ever said the following? I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I'm so exhausted I can't even sleep. I'm too busy to do that right now. I'm so overwhelmed I don't know what to do. Y'all, I feel like I understand what it means to be busy more than I understand what it means to have this kind of rest that God's talking about. But nowhere in scripture does it say, and she accomplished everything on her to-do list and God blessed it. <laughs> no. Also, nowhere in scripture does it say, and the outcome of being completely overwhelmed and maxing out every moment of his time blessed him and God called it good. No, that's nowhere in scripture. But everywhere in scripture, God's calling us to rest. He's inviting us to rest. Because busyness is not a characteristic God wants to cultivate in us, and it never has been. Rest is one of God's top 10 priorities for his people. Remember the Sabbath day. Set it apart and keep it holy. He sends a prophet to his people and says, Listen, the Lord, the Eternal, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust, you will find strength. 
And in the Psalms, that we keep on seeing this theme over and over again. Be still and know that I am God. Over and over again, we are being asked to slow down. To rest is to trust God with our time. But why, God? Why? Why do you say this over and over again? Why do you ask us to rest? Why is this so important to you? Because God knows that in life, there are times, some of them are like dark valleys, and we're going to need rest to get through them. Okay, so how do we rest in a culture that glorifies the busy? Rest is going to look different for us all. We all recharge in different ways, right? One of my friends said to me, oh, I can rest. I can rest all right. The dishes just have to be done, and then I can rest. And then there are some of us that can rest. doesn't matter how many dirty dishes are piled up in the sink. We can rest just fine, like my husband. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like my friend. Uh, but the rest that God has for us, I think it's more than just like taking a nap. I think it's more than just, oh, I got to sleep in today, so now I feel rested. The rest that he has for us is trusting him with our time, trusting that, gosh, I can go to God with anything that I've got on my plate. On Monday of this past week, I sat down to write this sermon, and I knew that the theme was going to be rest because I read over the scripture, and I was like, oh, there's definitely a theme of rest there. So I sit down to write my sermon. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I kind of take like a consensus of what's going on with me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am exhausted. Like, I am so tired. How am I supposed to write a sermon on rest when I'm exhausted? Like, this, is, this feels hypocritical. I can't tell the people this, that I'm exhausted when I'm writing a sermon on rest. And then I just started to talk to God about it. And I'm writing, and, you know, stuff is coming up, and I'm like, I'm feeling convicted. I'm like, gosh, God, you know, rest. This really is important to you. And so it's getting to be the end of the day, and I'm talking to God. And I'm like, gosh, like, I'm planning on just sitting here Monday into the evening until this thing's done, because I've got a big week, big week ahead of me. And then I felt God speak into my week. Like, it was like he looked at the calendar that I had ahead, and he said this to me. He said, Annie, you've got a busy day on Tuesday. You've got a busy day on Wednesday. On Thursday, you're going to be with family. How about you and I, we meet back here at your computer Friday morning, Saturday morning, and we do this thing. Let's write this sermon, you and me. And I felt so much peace. Everything in me, the control freak in me, wanted to just get it done on Monday, and then I could just, like, not think about it, right? But God had a different way. And so I shut my computer at 5 o'clock, and I had dinner with my husband. I sat on the couch. I hadn't seen him in, like, a week because we'd been so busy. And we watched a killer Monday night football game. Who saw that game on Monday? It was awesome. Everything in me wanted to just write the sermon into the wee hours of the morning and then put it on the back burner. And, you know, I, I don't really put sermons on the back burner. Uh, <laughs> I need to stick to my notes here. Where am I? <laughs> but everything in me had this plan of what I wanted to do. And then God spoke into that. He interrupted it. And he's like, there's a different way. And it's going to be a more restful way. So how about you hang out with me and do it this way, which was awesome. And I actually got to rest, and then I got to trust God. God, you better show up on Friday and Saturday morning because I need to get this thing written. And he did. So to rest is to trust God with our time. Second, to rest is to trust the shepherd with all that we've got going on. The shepherd, he leads his sheep to rest. He leads us to be restored. 
And then he leads us down paths. And some of those paths may be easy. Some of those paths may be difficult. But to rest is to trust that the shepherd is going to be with us no matter where we go. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Jesus doesn't promise us a burdenless life. He promises us relationship. He says, I'm going to be there with you, wherever you are, whatever you've got going on. A few years ago, a study was done on people admitted to the ER for alcoholism. And they were put into two different categories. In the first group, they got treatment, they met with a doctor, they received some educational material, and then the doctor told them about an AA meeting happening that evening. The second group, they got treatment, they met with a doctor, they got some educational information, and then they were introduced to somebody already in AA, and that person then invited them, hey, come to this meeting with me tonight, I'll see you there. Can you guess the percentage of those that attended an AA meeting that had only received just the information? Zero percent. Zero percent attended the meeting. The people that were introduced to somebody and personally invited, 100 percent. 100 percent attended that meeting. Now, is this surprising? This isn't surprising because we know that transformation happens when we know that there are other people in it with us. And that, that is what Jesus promises. He doesn't just say, hey, read this book. There's some good stuff in it. Follow it. He says, no, read the book and follow me. I'm with you in this. I promise you relationship. About 10 years ago, I attended this conference with a couple of my friends, and it was a ministry conference. And it had amazing worship, amazing speakers. And the friends that I attended with, they were all married, and they had kids This was 10 years ago before I was married and I was fast approaching my 30s and I was just not really too keen on being single, unmarried. Just, I was having a hard time grasping that in my life. Yet here I was at this conference with all my friends. And at the end of the conference, the leaders got up and they said, we just feel like we need to offer prayer for anybody out there that is having a difficulty starting a family. And so one by one, you kind of saw husband and wife come forward, asking for prayer. And all of my friends in the row with me, they're all like elbowing me. They're like, Annie, go up there, go get prayer. And I'm like, what? No, like, I'm not trying to start a family. I'm just trying to find a husband. Like, that's weird. And they're like, that's practically the same thing. Just go, go up there. And I don't know how they did it, but they got me to go up there. And I'm standing up there and I am like so afraid that somebody's going to find out that I'm a fraud. Like, I'm up there for a different reason, that I'm trying to get prayer, right? And no one finds out that I'm a fraud. But one by one, (laughs) they start praying over people. And when they get to me, this woman, I have no idea who she was, but she grabs my hands, she looks me in the eye, and she says, the thing you're asking for isn't too big for God. And I was like, whew, oh my gosh, I'm good. Whoa, God. Like, I was so worried that she was going to grab my hands and say, this isn't prayer for you. Go sit down. (laughs) But no, God met me in that moment and spoke to the heart of what I had on my heart. And it was as if he saw me and he said, I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. He didn't 
you know, magically, poof, there's a husband. No, that happened a while later, and that's a different story. But, <laughs> but no, like, God just met me and gave me this assurance that I can trust and rest in him no matter what I have going on. And that was beautiful. Maybe some of you need to hear that today, that the thing that you're asking for isn't too big for God. It's not too big. Because we, and we get to rest in that. That's a hopeful promise to rest in. Whether we believe it just like 1% or 100%. We need to have that hope. I've been the pastor on call this weekend. And on Friday morning, really early, I got called to the hospital to go and and pray with a family. Um, Their grandmother was in the hospital and she was going to have surgery. And they'd been in the hospital for like four days at that point. And so I went and I met with them and I walked into the room and you could just feel like the tangible fear and anxiety. Like they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what the outcome was going to be. So I know this family pretty well and we chatted for a while. And then we all laid hands on her and we prayed for her before she went in for surgery. And you could just feel like the rest, rest in that place. You could feel the shift in the room. Now, all of those gathered there were completely exhausted. They'd been in the hospital. They'd been sleeping there, sort of, like in shifts, right? But in that moment, prayer for them was letting go. Prayer was saying, okay, God, we can rest in you. We can trust in you. We don't know how this is going to turn out, but we know that you're here. To rest is to trust. To rest is to trust the shepherd with our time. And to rest is to trust the shepherd with all that we've got going on. And finally, to rest is to trust the shepherd with our purpose. If you've attended Bell Press for a while, you've probably heard us say, we love because we are loved. Well, how do we do that, though? How do we love well? How do we rest trusting God with our purpose? Well, it starts with believing that God's love for us is perfect. That God's love for us covers a multitude And that's good news because our love for God is not always perfect. We get it wrong sometimes. We forget that we are sheep and we sometimes need a rest and take it easy. We're going to need to be reminded to put God first. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus and Peter have breakfast together. This is after after Peter has denied Jesus three times. And it's after Jesus died and then was resurrected. And some time has passed. And scripture actually tells us um, that Peter had already gone back to his old way of living before he met Jesus. Because Peter was disgusted with himself. He was sick. Oh my gosh, I disowned my Lord. What am I going to do? I, I guess I'll just go back to what I was doing before. So we, we, we find Peter in this story and he's out fishing. And Jesus appears to Peter. He's on the shore. And Peter is so excited that he jumps out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And there Jesus meets him. He's got a fire. He's got breakfast. And so they sit and they have a conversation. And it goes a little something like this. After breakfast, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked a second time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replied a second time, Lord, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then Jesus said it a third time, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Lord, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. What's happening here? Has Jesus really forgotten that Peter loves him? No. Jesus knows that Peter loves him. Peter doesn't know if he loves Jesus anymore. Peter takes a look at his life and he's like, oh my gosh, I disowned my Lord. Now I'm like doing what I was doing before I even met him. Like, do I even love him? Do I love him? I don't know. Peter doesn't know if he loves Jesus anymore. He had forgotten his purpose. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew that deep down Peter loved him. And Jesus is there reminding Peter, Peter, I know that you love me. I put that love in you, Peter. In the Bible, this section has a caption that states, Jesus reinstates Peter. And another word for reinstate is restores. Jesus restores Peter to who he was before. Jesus restores us to who he knows we are to be. And that is good news. And it's another glimpse back to Psalm 23. He restores my soul. To rest is to trust in our purpose and to know that when we get off course, the shepherd is going to be right there restoring us, bringing us back. And maybe that is the most restful thing for us to hear today because we're going to get off course. Maybe some of us are off course right now. The shepherd is there and will bring us back and restore us because we, we're all like sheep and we've all gone astray. But the shepherd, when we follow a good shepherd, we know that the good shepherd will always be there to take us back. So hear this invitation this morning, Belt Press. Hear this invitation to rest. Know that it is there for all of us, and it is good news. We don't have to have it all together. Our love doesn't have to be perfect because the shepherd's love for us is perfect. So in this season that we are in right now, in this busy season that can be really, really hectic, chaotic, it can fill our schedules, accept the invitation from God to rest. Trust him with your time. Talk to him about it. Give your week to God and say, where, where am I going to find rest in this week, God? Show me. And let him show you how you can carve out places of rest. And let him speak to all the things that you are carrying. And he will assure you that no matter what's going on, he is there with you in it. And let him bring you back. Let God bring you back to his love. Because that's a place where you will find rest. So I'm going to close in prayer by reading Psalm 23 from the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a kid's version. And it's in maybe a little bit simpler language, but I think it's beautiful. And it's something we can all soak in, especially as we enter this Advent season. So close your eyes and pray with me and hear these words wash over you. God is my shepherd, and I am his little lamb. He feeds me. He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside, my heart is very quiet, as quiet as lying still in soft green grass, in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He's here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He's getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me, everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness I can't hold it inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go to.
So God, we just take those words and those promises and we allow them to wash over us, God. God, fill us with your spirit, especially in this season. We want to be seeing you. We want to be remembering you. So God, help us rest in you. Help us to put our trust in you. You are good and you want that for us, for your kids, for your sons and your daughters, God. You want rest for us. So God, may that be a hopeful word that we carry wherever we go. It's in your name that we pray, amen.